Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of a certain age, it's now time to go back down to Hell's Kitchen, episode 11, Reunion. I'm here with my buddy Sam Adams once again, and we're doing this podcast because we got kind of, uh, we got kind of provoked and, and pushed uh, a gentleman, A. Duncan, uh, at This Meet 51, kind of pushed a little button in me and said, hey, you know, it's been a freaking year since this uh, show was released, and you're still not done. What gives? Why are you so lazy? He didn't say that, but I inferred it. I called it. I called myself lazy. It's been busy. <laughs> but Sam, you're here, and we're going to do some more. It's a reunion. Well, obviously, I'm here to help you. <laughs> I had I had to pick a... I, I've been wanting to do a line quote opening since uh, you, you invited me on here. So, <laughs> hey, th- th- thanks for poking and prodding. Um, I'm, I'm glad to be back, and I hope I have uh, I hope I have some good stuff to say. I've got my got my notes here. I'll try not to be so rattly in the background. <laughs> okay. Well, so you are going to let just I mean I I don't want to put myself in the Matt Murdock seat, but you are essentially my uh, my foggy right now. Oh yeah, I'm uh, I'm here. I'm here to let you know that we need to get stuff done. We need to make a plan. That's that's right. Figure out what, and then we're gonna figure out what that plan is. I I love that part. That's one of the things I love about Foggy. He's so positive. He's like, hey, we just need to work together. He's like, what's the rest of the plan? I don't know. We'll get it. <laughs> well, just based on the title reunion, I was sure at some point I was gonna see Vanessa. I mean, they've been pushing this little slight narrative. I was like. You know, my prediction was somehow Vanessa was in charge of everything, uh, and somehow she was pulling all the strings, and so far, that, I can tell you, does not happen in this episode. The reunion is Karen, Foggy, and Matt working together again, which, in my mind, they always had been, but really, they've been completely estranged this whole time. And it kicks off really in a very cool way. It felt very comic booky um, that we come straight off of the last episode um, and the aftermath, if you will, of what happened of the the church attack. Yeah, and I like the perspective they show of Sister Maggie showing up and everybody running away, and she's kind of getting. It's not like she's there and somebody's debriefing her. She like hears somebody kind of go, Daredevil killed him, and just will run by him, and people are, you know, she kind of like, you get to see where Matt gets some of his, uh, you know, attributes from, from her, because, of course, she runs right into the danger, doesn't, Mm -hmm. like, run away or anything, Um, is very savvy, kind of sneaks around, and is listening to what people are saying, uh, you know, kind of poking and prodding from the shadows, almost, like, like, you know, in in plain sight, because she's a nurse, or nurse, um, a nun, but, uh, you know, but she's also kind of like make influencing things because she sees things that aren't right and isn't necessarily following the rules and i was like oh wow you're really kind of seeing where you know you see where matt gets his brawler side from this is where he gets his sneaky side from Mm -hmm. and she actually i mean i love her character and if you really kind of whittle down this entire episode it actually hinges on her yeah, I mean, she is really the driving force of saving everybody. I mean, she she gets them. She you know she gives them plenty of time to hide. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I love her fumbling with the keys like she's like she's this, you know, and I feel like she's not being obvious. It's like her friend just died. So she's obviously a little like shaky and everything trying to get the door open, you know, knowing that it's making noise for Matt to hear things like that. So I I think, you know, it's kind of crazy how savvy she is that she she says she heard Daredevil run away. You saw Daredevil run away, even though she didn't see Mm -hmm. it just because she knows she knows she needs to get them stop looking at the church like she is not this like innocent little little uh old lady that's running around she's she's very much part of the part of the reason that they are able to stay alive well and when they bring the dogs in and they sniff decks and she gets one of the other nuns to say oh no they ran the other way they're in the back i mean Mm -hmm. so she redirects the police efforts and and the feds efforts and then the the really crucial part is that she gets in Nadim's ear about being a moral man. Yeah, and I, I was kind of thinking that it, where she, I, I feel like she gets this, like she walks up on the scene and she gets this like thousand yard stare uh, and like she she doesn't like freak out or anything. She kind of hides her emotions. Like, you know, she's probably freaking out that her friend just died. And, you know, her mentor, really, and kind mm-hmm. of second, fa- second father to her son just sure. was murdered. And but yet she doesn't cry. She says a prayer for him once they're in the church. But she kind of goes into that calculated like, man, stuff's going down right now. What do I need to do? Like she doesn't she doesn't like give herself any time to like grieve. It's more like, okay, this this isn't over. I need to I need to leap into action here. And I feel like that's kind of like, oh, hey, Matt, look at that's where you get this from a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you didn't know it, but this is uh, nature over nurture. Uh, you know, I, the, the whole prayer scene, I I don't know what it is, but sometimes I feel like, and it's, maybe it's working in Silicon Valley, but the idea of actually watching somebody pray and actually hearing it is sometimes always just squashed down and it's like it's assumed but never shown or even heard. And I really like, for whatever reason... It was like her dealing with that particular moment of all these things falling apart and and what she's going to do. And it really stirred me emotionally. I don't know exactly why, but it was just it was very poignant for me. Like, here's the the uh, the few the all the, the bomb is is built and that really ignited her into motion. And again, we're going to talk about other characters, but I feel like. If I don't say something about her, it 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 it, it, it loses something in 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 this it really a very tight and compact episode. Yeah, and I think that probably the reason that that's a good scene or a good like you know when you see that her praying there is that she's not even praying for herself or for her pain or anything. She's praying for her friend's soul to, you know, to, to be allowed into heaven and to not be, not be cast aside for the mistakes that she made. She's, mm-hmm. she's trying to take, she's trying to take responsibility for it. And in a way, kind of be like, I understand Matt blamed him and it's not fair that he kept, you know, he kept my secret and that was my problem and my mistake that he made, that he made for me. Like, don't, don't punish him for my mistakes. And I think that's why it's so kind of moving. And then in contrast then you have hot ass mess decks come up and interrupt her prayer. Oh. And I feel like that's kind of an interesting mirror of each other. Whereas she is like, what do I need to do? 
what you know don't get yourself caught up in you know them realizing that you're helping these people keep yourself as a neutral third party dex is running around he is off the hook he's sweating Mm -hmm. he's sloppy he's you know he's just yelling at people randomly um i love it he's like yeah but daredevil came back to the church after he left i mean i know there's that cliche of returning to the scene of the crime but it's usually not seven seconds after all the cops got there (laughs) yeah i i mean dex is an unhinged uh weapon at this point i I mean yeah you know they've got the the audio sting of the bees uh in his brain and it just mounts and mounts he's failed multiple times and it it almost seemed like he was you know he's he's struggling to succeed with what uh the kingpin has put in place and nothing is working yeah, and I feel like this is the first time he like really fails because you know the he he was able to pull off the uh, the uh, the massacre at the newspaper mm-hmm, reasonably mm-hmm. well and kind of start everything off. But I feel like this is the first like crack in Kingpin's plans because he's been this master manipulator. He's done all this, but I don't think he realized what type of uh, relationship he'd need to have with dex like just how hands-on he needed to be um oh you know, good point you know, he, yeah that he like i and i a part of me was wondering if that's what he was thinking nadim would be is that like oh i'll get this guy that can keep this guy on a muzzle he'll be the kind of savvy one that goes like hey you probably can't shoot her in the middle of a church you know type of thing like uh, yeah probably not a good idea i, I think you're absolutely people. correct yeah, because like when Karen gets taken away, he he goes out, he grabs his gun, and and the dean puts. He's like, "Hey, you can't kill her here." Like it was kind of almost like he maybe he knew that he needed a a kind of north star, and he knew that Nadim had had been a friend to Dex at one point. So he thought maybe this would be a good melding of these two, or maybe he just mis- miscalculated. Because I know when he you know recruited him he talked to him about wesley and i feel like dex is like well he might have the ruthlessness of wesley but he does not have the cool calm collected measure of him i mean like yeah. wesley wouldn't let anybody i remember that was one of the things i loved about the first season is like we don't say his name and mm-hmm. i was just like oh that's scary when other mob bosses are afraid to say the name of the lead mob boss in a middle of a you know building somewhere <laughs> well and and this episode is built around the idea of trust and who to trust. And Nadim is basically forced into this plan, obviously. Uh, and he seems, for the most part, to be going along with it, but we know he's conflicted. Then it comes back to, again, Maggie getting in his ear about being a moral man and are you, what are you, what kind of man are you? And you have somebody that's so close to the inside that really is conflicted, and he's always been conflicted, but we weren't sure if he was going to go full uh, full on the side of Fisk. I mean, I think we all know that that was never going to happen, but um, to have somebody that close on the inside and switching gears on on the plan has really, I, again, Nadim's character, I would have to say is extremely not underrated, but... Um, it's so he's so valuable to the entire story. 
Yeah, his is a character that I think really built as it went along. Like I, I, I thought at first, maybe the first couple episodes that he was just, oh, this is the new yep. cop we get introduced to this yep. season. Um, but I thought they they really introduced some kind of nuance to his character, and I, and I kind of thought about that as what he's gone along with, and then what made him stop to watching this episode. And uh, I was thinking about how. You know, when he initially gets caught up, I mean, he's in his boss's uh, house. There's a dead body there. It's with his gun. There's a recording. Like, he's literally like, oh, my God, if I don't say yes to this right now, I'm going to get put in jail. There's nothing I can do about it. Like, they're, like at least maybe if I go along with it, maybe I can do some stuff to prove my innocence or get that evidence back or, or flip it on him or something. And then, you know, then once he sees that he's the the driver for an assassin of a priest and uh, you know, sees how far this is going. I think that's when he, he's ready to tip. And then that little prep talk from Sister Maggie is like the thing that does it. That he realizes, hey, I, I'm kind of damned here if I do, damned if I don't. So I'd rather be on the side of angels than help this guy who, you know, duped me, messed with my family. Like, why would I continue to help this guy? Because, you know, the second I mess up, I'm going to be shown the door. Yeah. What? Well, and just, you know, like, and, and as these things are happening, then you realize, because I actually kind of forgotten, it's been a while, uh, that mm-hmm. the whole reason that Matt is there is because Karen is being attacked and unbeknownst to why. And I had forgotten completely that, you know, the, the Karen story, and again, this is why that, that Karen story was so pivotal to learn about her background and 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 the things that she carries the guilt and and just this emotional baggage is because she tried to get Fisk off balance and that's the entire reason why Matt's there and Matt didn't know about Wesley I I had totally forgotten about that yeah and I think that they kind of I didn't even think about it until right now but they showed that she actually was on the right track because later when Fisk gets the news that everything's gone awry, he asks for that guy's jacket and then beats him to death with a cop car. (laughs) And I thought that was kind of hilarious because I'm like, he's in the middle of an FBI escort. There's a cop driving the car and he just pummeled this guy's face in and he goes, Hey, pull over and throw this guy's body in the dumpster. And it's like, Oh man, he is on a whole nother level. Like it's one thing when you're doing that with your mob enforcement guys, but he literally just killed the messenger. And that's how, that's how like little morals he has at this point that he has so much power that he can just feels the need that he can, he can do that. And that's what I mean is that Karen was probably right. If foggy hadn't shown up, he might've murdered her right there. And she would have sacrificed herself for to get rid of him type of thing. And um, yeah, I think that she was right, but it was, it was good that, you know, it didn't happen, but she obviously put herself right in the crosshairs because he does not forget. He, he only waits to get even. Yeah. Oh, I think it, I think that scene is super important because, you know, when you think about the Wilson Fisk physical brutality, we hadn't seen quite a bit of that you know immediately my mind always goes back to season one and the car door head slam yeah Um, but and even in uh you know well season two with him and frank um you know you we there are those little pieces of when we see kingpin as a physical um threat and that he it really physically can should not be trifled with 
No, yeah, I think I think that he I think it's good when we see that. I I was kind of thinking it's funny because there was a scene where they show him standing up off of a couch, and I, I realized I like it a lot better when they show him close up and he looks wider because mm-hmm. when they show how tall he is, he doesn't look that like comic book wide like the like the the, the really wide one in the comic book. So I was like, ah, they should keep it in tight. I don't I don't need to see his feet. Yeah, <laughs> and that comes hot off the heels of him really kind of being twisting the 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 public perception and i noticed this watching the second time um that and, and maybe it's maybe it's super obvious maybe everybody saw this but i didn't initially and with all the signs and all the you know the protest of wilson fisk and as he's talking all the signs go down and he's able to to flip the 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 public persona of himself and you know not a few scenes later he's literally turning a guy's face into pudding i did not notice that sign thing oh that's interesting i'll have to go back because i remember there was some very generic like no fisk you type of signs kind yeah of yeah, 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 I, yeah. Uh, but then i didn't i didn't notice and there was very protesty but i didn't notice that it changed so much so i have to i might want to go back and watch yeah, that if, but, if you it, it, yeah, all all it's it's really subtle and and small, but in and I, I often have to be careful because it's like you know initially when this when this all re- released and you know I hear things online. I'm not spoiler averse by any stretch. Um, I try to keep insulated, but the um, the idea of Wilson Fisk is this analog of Donald Trump. Yeah, not really. I I I. I I mean, if you you can get there, if you want to get there, I you know whatever. But um, I mean, I believe there was even reference to fake news uh, in his press conference. What at, look, whatever. Well, that's just that's that's just the term and the that's sure. just a new thing we say. Yeah. I mean, whether you mean it as a joke, I mean, I, heck, I I make the fake news joke with people all the time when they sure. say something I, I don't want to hear about myself. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, what's one thing I noticed about Fisk too is. Uh, he stood up and I was looking at him and I was like, God dang it. Couldn't they give him a purple shirt? Like, <laughs> I, I want to, like, you're so close to the comic book accurate uh, Kingpin Oh, here. like that, that cravat? I, yeah, because he's got that black shirt underneath. Yes, and I was yes. Like, I was like, I get it. That's more fashionable. You probably wouldn't wear purple with white, whatever. Just get, get But just we're so, so close. close. Just, but, but then it made me think a little deeper about it. And I was like, oh. Because he's a he's a wolf in sheep's clothing. He's ah. he's wearing he's he's a dark soul underneath wearing this white coat to hide what he really is. And I was like, Ugh, symbolism. Okay, I get it. But I, like the the kid in me was like, but give just give me one scene with the purple shirt. <laughs> Maybe it's coming. Who knows? Yeah. So you know, now that we're talking about you know Matt and Karen too, that conversation it was kind of like. Uh, revelation happy hour i mean she tells him about her past she tells him about uh wesley she tells him about trying to get kingpin to kill her um you know really kind of opens up you know he talks about wanting to kill kingpin and i you know kind of actually went back and re-watched that scene from last episode where where she drives off and her brother dies and everything and i kind of thought it was funny she has all this regret for that but she shot her boyfriend and was just like whatever that was fine. I, I haven't talked about that one time. <laughs> and I, I also kind of thought it was funny that I was like, she talks about what happened with her brother. You know, it was why she, it seemed like that was why she was so comfortable killing Wesley. And I was wondering, I was like, why does getting an accident with your brother make you comfortable picking up a gun and shooting somebody like seven times? Yeah. 
Yeah. It seemed like a big, big jump. But at the same time, it's like, well, she's been through a lot of tragedy. I mean, she, she, her brother died. She had to shoot her boyfriend. So she's obviously comfortable with a gun in her hand type of situation. And, you know, not with the, when we met her in season one, she woke up next to her boss, like in her apartment dead. Yeah. I mean, there, it, it would have been nice to have some semblance of understand. We, we knew that, that Karen had a dark side. But we just didn't know to the to the, to what extent, and it's it's almost slightly a shame it happens now versus then. But maybe if it happened earlier, it would have cheapened all this. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I agree. I think that. Um, no, yeah, I think that um, it was good. I, I would have liked to seen the trio kind of get together a little sooner than episode eleven. But yes, I feel like it. It, it kind of was like you said, like it was. It was uh, seeing it was reunion. I didn't think of Vanessa. I thought of I thought of these three because it seemed like they'd been apart. I, I thought it would have been kind of neat if there was uh, maybe if it, rather than Matt uh, kind of isolating himself, if it had been um, a little bit more like the Born Again comic where De- where uh, Kingpin kind of forces everybody apart and stuff. Like maybe mm-hmm. maybe maybe he was the one that got uh, Foggy the job at Hogarth and Associates or something like that or and. You know, maybe he got, you know, just he he bought the newspaper or something and was the one that gave Karen her job or something like, like what if what have you found out? Like, because he's such a master manipulator, I would have liked to see in that little plot point. But it was more just I was kind of happy to see these three finally get back together. And, what? you know, it's kind of interesting that you mentioned the thing about I want to go back to what you said about Vanessa. Yeah. Was that I was thinking I was like, this is probably the limitations of a show like this is that you you, you really only have so much budget to throw around. I mean, I know it's Netflix and they're spending money like crazy, but, um, you know, everybody has a budget i think that in a stronger like just a little stronger show like kind of like in the weird like game of thrones is that i think we would have seen what vanessa was up to even if it was just an episode here or there where she popped we popped in to see her like Mm -hmm. out in europe or something and same with like other characters like you know mvp brett mahoney shows up in this episode like he's one of my favorites and i feel like in in like a you know, a show like The Wire, or The Sopranos, or, or Game of Thrones, we would see we would see some of these characters outside of the the situations they are with our main characters because they're interesting in their own right, and maybe just build a little bit more on that because I know there's some depth there because I remember in the first season he was like yelling at Foggy to stop giving his mom cigars, and I was like, okay, yep. so are they like old friends from high school? Or yeah, what exactly? Yeah, or maybe he helped his mom out with like a rental dispute or something and then found out her son was a cop and like tried to befriend him and now he's just this annoying lawyer guy that's always coming around. Like just things like that where I could have used a little bit more like background in these guys' relationships because it's like, you know, he's like early in the season he seems so annoyed by Foggy and then by the end of this episode he's like, No, you were you were on this whole thing, we got your back, like we, you know, you've got a you've got a friend of the NYPD was opposed to season one. That's those were the people that Fisk had in his pocket. He said, Well, right. that's not good enough. I, I need to have the feds. Well, in very Game of Thrones fashion, basically uh Mahoney says, Look, I have, you know, the blue army uh at your disposal should you need it. I mean, the the only caveat, slight, you know, my fear of those expanded type episodes is that they start to create sag in an overall season. However, I think you're absolutely right, and I think they could have pulled it off very, very well. And having those games, Game of Thrones, um, bo- not bottle episodes, but where 
500,000 miles away episodes that will link in some capacity in in at least giving that character more value. Um, and I think a lot of these characters have shown their value, um, but just that little, those little character um, fleshings that would, that, that just would have made it like, oh, wow, that's why he's doing what he's doing. Yeah, and I think that part of that, part of the reason I feel that way is because in season one, you had Ben Urich, so you had mm-hmm. some more kind of point of view characters. And he was such a deep character where he's like this guy, and I believe that he had a wife with like Alzheimer's, right? Yes. Or she was, yeah, so I thought that was like this really interesting story that I was always really, again, I said this last episode, bum, they killed him off after season one, but um, I feel like maybe you could have used a few more of those characters that you followed along. Like, like I said, it would have been interesting to see what Vanessa was up to. Maybe even this D.A. Blake Tower because he was kind of a he was kind of a part of la- of the second season with the punishment. big time yeah because his, his 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 wife his boss was the the da going after frank and then she was murdered and then he was in it, and i guess he was also in a couple episodes of luke cage and I, I think that's the other thing where i feel like this show could have benefited from is maybe even just little stuff like imagine if uh you saw um you know one of the detectives from uh like luke cage or iron fist just show up to the crime scene or something for an episode like mm-hmm. not, not not even be like a point of view character but i think that was the and again that's one of those kind of like scheduling expenses like hey it was easier to get this playhouse to come put cop suits on and roam around the background that it was to get you know this actress that that's getting in demand here but i i think that's where these shows and i hope that's where when we get to disney plus shows and stuff that they're like throw it out the window everything's on the table you know you never know who you're going to see in something well on a side note tangent which i like to bring into full perspective and and it's very timely at the matter um I had been posting up a few things on Twitter, but uh, the big auction just recently, I think, concluded, if I'm not mistaken. Um, They were selling the hero versions of a lot of Luke Cage, uh, Iron Fist, and Daredevil um, costumes and props. And boy, would I have loved to get my hands on some of that gear. I mean, really awesome stuff. and. It's sad because, you know, I've, I'm hearing wor- word on the street grumblings that potentially there's a Daredevil reboot in the works. And I'm thinking, but you're getting rid of all the stuff. And I'm thinking <laughs> that, that those two things don't jive with me unless, of course, they're going to reboot it somewhere else, which, of course, they are. It's not going to be on Netflix. But I'm thinking, eh, if you're getting rid of the props, chances are... You're getting rid of the actors. Yeah, probably. But I, at the same time, you know, they just cast Marshall Ali as Blade. Yeah. So I think they've I think they've shown they're not afraid to reuse these actors. Mm-hmm. Now, 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 are they going to put them in all different stuff? I don't know. But I, I would love to see if you know Kingpin and Daredevil and I mean I can't imagine a better Foggy Nelson now. You know, type of yeah. thing. So I, I, um, you know, maybe you do. And, and that's the thing; it's very easy. You can, to be like, oh, those old ones were, um, you know, all set within a year and a half of the first Avengers movie. And that's why none of the other, you know, big events of the Avengers ever wrapped into these shows or something like that. But I, I don't I also don't think that as they roll over to Disney Plus, I, I don't think they're going to put this stuff on Hulu. I think that this is too big a character. I think it's going to I think it's going to make its way over to Disney. And when it does, I just can't imagine them 
let you know having a kingpin that uh you know murders a guy in his own coat <laughs> on on this you know family friendly streaming service that's the it's the one bummer of disney owning everything is that they're they're going to sanitize it a little bit but you know i've seen i think from the avengers movies and everything you can get creative with that kind of stuff but um you know i think that's the one the one downside is that you know the, you, these iterations these characters probably are done but i you know they they've they seem pretty willing to do stuff outside the box. And, you know, especially, like I said, these, these Disney plus TV shows, they very much said like, Oh, you're going to have to watch this to understand this movie. And it's like, I, I love that connectivity. That's part of the reason I watch all this Marvel stuff like crazy is looking for those little connective tissues. But, um, you know, it's a gamble. That's for sure. Yeah. I, you know, I just, I, I guess if I have like my, my, here's my note to Disney to say, Look at what was done really well and and just say don't don't hurt it don't don't cheapen it and 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 understand what did they do really well and follow that and maybe it's the people that were involved or maybe it's just the structure I don't know, but make sure that you don't um molest it. Yeah, and I I wasn't very worried about that to start with. You know, I, like when this Fox acquisition went through, I was jazzed because, like everybody else, I want the Fantastic Four and the X Men in these in these Marvel properties, you know, mixed up. But um, like I really re- recently read this news that I don't know if you saw Taika Waititi's new film Jojo Rabbit, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're like some fought, some uh, Disney people are like we're worried that this is a very Disney friendly, and it's like yeah, it's a it's an independent like Fox Searchlight movie, like leave it alone. <laughs> you know, Taika Waititi's a pretty smart guy. He's making fun of Hitler. Like it's I'm pretty sure it's going to be okay. It's you know it's not meant for. Uh, little Johnny and little Susie to watch on a Saturday. It's it's meant for adults to go see at a theater. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to say. It feels like uh, you know, there, it, well, much like Kingpin, the more he put pressure he puts on, the more he makes people either submit or resist. Now, speaking of that, I let's let's go into one of my favorite scenes in this, and that's um, why I said it. The the painting scene where he meets with the, the lady that's got a rabbit in a snowstorm. Yes. And I thought that was such an interesting thing. Now, <laughs> I did take some funny notes because she said it was a, that it happened in 1943 and that she was a toddler. Uh-huh. So I was like, wow, she is one good-looking 80-year-old lady. <laughs> yeah. Good, good for you, Hollywood. I was like, it actually started to make me think. I was like, man, we're going to have to stop using world war ii as an origin for people here pretty soon like it's not gonna work yeah Uh, you know that that's the one thing i keep wondering with these x-men reboots is that when is it that you have to make it that magneto is not a holocaust survivor because i i personally always thought that was such an interesting dynamic of his but it you know unless you're going to say mutants only age at half the rate everybody else it's pretty soon it's going to be a hundred year old guy floating around in his wheelchair that, right. and it's not going to make, you know, he's got him looking young and just having white hair. Isn't going to fly. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how they do that, but it's kind of one of those weird uh, Hollywood things where I was like, okay, you know, this is, this is probably a trope that's going to have to disappear here pretty soon. Cause it's, it's just not going to make sense. Yeah. You would think, I mean, you know, you take, you know, these volatile uh, world history moments and it's great at the time. It works really well. Um, but yeah, you do. You have to really start 
there, I mean, the, the suspension of disbelief only goes so far. I mean, you can't say, yeah, well, I was in uh, uh, World War One, or you know, the it, it just it, it doesn't it doesn't fly anymore. Yeah, and, and as she was going on, I kept adding years to how old she was based on how much stuff she remembered. I was like, okay, well, if you remember them shooting your dad, you were at least five then, you know? right? <laughs> Nothing like that. So, but uh, no, I but I, but it, but other than that, that was, that didn't take me out of it. I just it just kind of was like, oh, it's the second or third time I've seen this episode, and it dawned on me, and I was like, oh, that's that's strange. Like I thought maybe that this was more like a story she was telling about what happened to her mom, and it was like, oh no, it was about her. But I still thought it was really good and how she compared him to them. And she's like, you're a wolf. And mm-hmm. I can see you know, much like that wolf in sheep's clothing. Yes. The line. And, uh, you know, that's when I kind of I, I thought one of the most powerful things was she goes, do you know what it's like to see your father take his last breath on the floor in front of you? And I was like, oh, my God, he totally does. Like, yeah. You guys could swap stories about that. And again, that was something that didn't dawn on me the first time I saw it. I just I was seeing it from her perspective. And, uh, you know, when he gets up and decides to let her keep the painting, that's when I realized that, like, Vanessa is almost his last, like, piece of humanity. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of why he loves her so much is that it's still, you know, otherwise, if, if he didn't have her, he'd probably just snap her neck and take and say, grab the painting, let's go. Yeah, and, because um, really it was Vanessa that saved that situation for sure. And I remember uh, when he gets up and he goes – you know, Vanessa would like you to keep the painting. And it almost seems like when he says it, he kind of does that like shuffle with his eyes to where it's like, seems like he's kind of convincing himself. Mm-hmm. To like, oh, Vanessa would want this. So don't murder this poor 99 year old lady. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he gets up and I, and I love that she kind of spoke that truth to power that she had that, like, I don't give a damn that like, Hey, look at, I don't, you know, you can go ahead and kill me. I'm not going to lay down. I'm going to be just like my dad was and stand up and tell truth to power. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, I, now I'll tell you, I do not want to hear anything more about the painting for the rest of the season. If I see if that, that can't happen again. (laughs) You know, I I won't, I won't, I, I recuse myself. (laughs) You know, if Vanessa comes out and then says, oh, well, let's go visit the woman at the painting and then she kills her. But I mean, we, we, that, that, that that plot line has to end. It has to be severed at this point. I I won't accept anything else. Okay. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying not to try not okay. to say anything. <laughs> okay, good enough. Because I, I, I'm trying to keep your. You know, I'm sure that's not the, one of the spoilers you've read. So yeah, if she if she fl- uh, if she flies in on a helicopter and says, "Hey, where's my painting?" I'm gonna be pissed. But I will say it comes up again, but it's not like it's not what you. That's not the avenue that you're that you're expecting. Okay, that you're, good. You're talking about so so you. I don't think you'll be disappointed in how it how it plays out. Good. Um, coming down to the wire now, uh, Nadim, uh, comes home and he's basically knows at this point that he is a marked man. Yeah. I thought he was funny trying to play that. Oh, everything's fine, Sammy. It's okay. We're just going to go to Disneyland right now. But yet he's got his gun out and he's like freaking out. And I was like, okay. And uh, and the other thing I thought about kind of rewatching the episode was, Hey, screw the clothes. 
put some shoes on and get in the car. We'll buy clothes. Let's, we got to go. Like, yeah. I, I was like, that, like when I saw them like throwing that underwear in that bag, I'm like, and that's what killed your family was packing that bag. <laughs> well, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I, obviously he's, he's hypertensive because, um, and hyper aware, uh, because of the broken vase. But the idea of drawing your weapon at that point, even around your family, like, and he holstered immediately when they were in the bathroom. But, like, at that point, like, for all intents and purposes, his wife and his son, really, should have been like, whoa, this is, I mean, this guy's been a federal agent for some years. They have to have some, you know, uh, family knowledge of, you know, like, when dad pulls a gun out, like, that's, it's all serious. And everybody kind of, and again, it was all, you know, for the greater story. But I was just like, uh, you know, I, w- I expected her to be a little bit more, not hysterics, but questioning. It became, okay, let's go. And in some ways, I bought into that. Um, but in other ways, and then the whole Disneyland thing just really threw me. But Yeah, no, I, I would think that uh, that's one trope I don't really like is the, in, in TV shows and stuff is either like cops or lawyers or mobsters where it's like, Hey, look at, you know, I can't talk to you about my job. Like, you know, I'm in the, I'm in the FBI and whatever. You should just know that, Hey, he came home, he's stressed out. He must've saw some awful stuff today. And like, let's get, let it go. Like we can't have this argument every time that I've got my thousand yard stare going during, you know, housewives or whatever. So, um, you know, one thing before we get there, I noticed, um, did you think that Dex was ready to kill Sister Maggie right there in front of all those other FBI agents when he was walking by? And then he got kind of snapped out of it when he heard those cops go like, what kind of sicko kills a priest or whatever? Like, I thought, again, he looked like he was ready to go fly off the hook. Yeah. And then he, and then he misses like his opportunity because she hops in the ambulance. And that's when he goes and gets in the back of that van and lets out his Hulk scream. Yeah. I, you know, I'll tell you that scene, I think, is I think we're not seeing the full extent of it. But this is the, that is the, the big crescendo for Bullseye. Like, I am now completely off rails. Like, mm-hmm. like I, I, he may be in league with Kingpin at this point, but he is completely off reservation. I, 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 I firmly believe that, that, that now it's, it's it's not it's all personal and it's all revenge. It has nothing to do um, with with the plan that Kingpin has. Yeah, and that that's where I I kind of noted was realizing this is the kind of the first this is the crack in Kingpin's master plan. Like you've yeah. seen everything going his way all this time, but now it's like basically the one thing he's missing is his Wesley, and he was kind of hoping that this guy could be his new Wesley, but he's too, he's just too much of a hot ass mess to, to do it because you know if Wesley failed at something he'd be like monitor the monitor the area let us know if you find anything like he would have let, he wouldn't have freaked out about the cops taking Karen page. He would have had somebody follow him. Karen page would have had a sniper get her right after Brett Mahoney mm-hmm. drove off and mm-hmm. probably fog, probably foggy too. You know, it's just, he would have been like much more like, okay, how do we work this situation to our advantage? Whereas Dex is like, he's more brute force and he wants to handle it himself. And he wants to, you know, you know, succeed every time. And the second he doesn't, he gets so frustrated. He's ready to just fly off the rails and act like a, act like a, a you know, an idiot in front of all these. He's like, he's surrounded by 
FBI and cops and stuff like they like they wouldn't arrest him in a heartbeat if he tried to kill Karen right there or tried to kill Sister Maggie or something. Well, and it's this character m- morality story, you know, uh, Kingpin uh, owns people and he puts fear in people to control them. And then you have the good guys who are they're using trust and mm-hmm. that that relationship to defeat uh, evil, if you if you will. You know, and and so you have, you know, the 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 three families coming back together again and saying, "Hey, let's do what we do best. Uh, we're going to come form a, formulate a plan, and we're gonna we're gonna beat the bad guys, and we'll do it um, in the best way and the most moral way we possibly can, and and in a way that um, is more human like than uh, monster." Yeah. Um, no, totally. And that's, I think that's where you just see the difference between him. Like you, you're, you're seeing that, you know, between him and Kingpin or between him and Matt, just, he is, he is much more of just a, you know, kind of uncompromising, like force of nature, as opposed to these other people that, that think about their actions and, you know, really want to do the right thing. He, he just wants to succeed in whatever his goal is no matter who gets hurt or, you know, like he kills those two guys in that alley. There were just some poor dishwashers taken yeah. out the trash because he couldn't keep his mask on. And it's just like, so he's just gotten no morals whatsoever. Whereas at least even Kingpin's got Vanessa to convince him not to, you know, kill an old world war two survivor. Right. So yeah, that, that last scene, um, it, it, there was twice in this episode where I always talk about what, you know, if you're going to show me superpower people, I want to see their superpowers being used in interesting ways. Mm-hmm. And like, I think that's one thing I really like about the boys on, on Amazon. That's, I know I've been recommending it to you like crazy. Um, I, I finished it up as they do fun stuff with like, Oh, I have this power to do this. So I, you know, I do this crazy thing. And, um, you know, I, the thing I like that Matt does again, he's listening to everybody in the church and everything, but when he's sneaking around, I love how he can come up to a corner, wait there, and it's not like he has to peek around to see if it's if it's ready to go yet. He just sits there and listens, and then it's like, okay, they they're gone, you know. And he does it he does it at Nadim's when he's hiding behind the pole, smashes that guy's head in. He does it uh, when he's sneaking out of the church, and it's just like I love those small little creative ways to show us that it's like, oh yeah, he's not just a guy. He's got some superpowers that you can't see, mm-hmm. and these these are how he uses them. Yeah, you know, it was funny. I was watching a YouTube video uh, recently, and it's this guy who kind of deconstructs power levels and, you know, what can this person actually do? And he completely, really accurately and intelligently um, kind of broke down Daredevil. And and one of the things we we really downplay, and it's hard to... um, show on film without using, you know, the fire vision, which they haven't shown since out oh, season one, which is kind of nice. Um, but also it's hard to describe that. And one of the things I really, one of the things that draws me to Daredevil is this idea of his senses are so hyper um, that, that he can, his abilities you know, you can only wish for for that kind of, um, r- well, for like you know, radar sense. Yeah, I mean, no, 
I thought it was funny because there's a couple times that he shushes Karen because he's listening for something. Yeah. And it made me think he's like he's like that friend that starts texting and you just can't talk to them anymore because they've they've gone into into text mode and they yes. can't do two things at once. Yes. And so I was like, oh, he's kind of like a rude friend that texts too much, except he shushes you. He doesn't just like ignore you. Yeah. <laughs> but but I think that's cool how it's like he's like, oh. They brought dogs. And then I, I love how the dogs are going and sniffing decks. Oh, he's yeah. Like, no, not me, guys. The bad guys. It's just like that's when I just feel like he's he's really spiraling at that point. It, so any, the, 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 the bad guys come to Nadim's house. There's a little shoot em up. But as per not always, I should say, you know, there is that excitement in me, you know, again, about a character I love. When and the way in which they've portrayed his MMA and boxing techniques, I mean, arm barring a guy's gun away from him, and just I, it's so good. I mean, I just enjoy the way in which they've shown these close quarter battles and really realistic fighting stances and things that actually work, like like his double kicks, like that. That's knockout power. All day long. That's broken jaw every time. And yeah, it's it's funny. They seem to like do so much better at showing stuff close up than they do far away in the show. Because like far away is when you get a hundred ninjas running on a, a rooftop, right. or like there, there was that one little scene when he goes to meet up with Karen and Foggy, where is, he does his little parkour across the rooftop, mm-hmm. and they they did one in all one shot where I was like, that probably sounded better in the the no, choreography room than it looked on camera here. It just looked like he was kind of sliding around and stuff. Yeah. And and the um, long and the I, don't wa- mind. I I like I like that part of it, but I just I think that was one where I was like, ooh, we could use I, I where we wouldn't think you'd say this in 2019, but ooh, we could use a few more fast cuts there. <laughs> yeah. The, I I think what I what I enjoy about the especially the fight scenes is, you know, you look at how others have done fight scenes. I'll go back to um, my buddies on on the on the long loved uh, Arrowcast. That was it was interesting with the fighting in there. It, most of it was wide shots, which for aficionados of fighting, that's like the gold standard. That you're showing everything. It's not so up close that you're hiding things. <clears throat> um, but I think what they miss is interesting camera angles and actually showing ramifications for joint manipulation or just a straight on kick to the face. Like it doesn't feel real whiffy. It feels like it's got meat against bone. Yeah, no, that, that, that is one of the things I do love about the show is that the fights are the, just even the just the physical parts of it all seem so real, whether it's it's uh you know, Kingpin smashing a guy or, de- de- or Daredevil fighting. It's just they've got their own styles. They've got their own kind of way of doing it. And it's you know, consequences. It, it's not, yeah, and it's not just one punch, one guy knocked out. You know, it's like you see he has to he has to punch that guy twice in the face, arm bar him, grab his gun, and then knock him in the head with his gun to knock him out. Like right. it's not just it's not just like comic booky like Captain America one punch kind of stuff or like yeah. just throwing <laughs> throwing him through the window type of thing. Which I mean, I, you know, I, I don't mind that stuff, but it's like you know, it has a, That's why movies are different than TV shows. It's like TV shows you have to have a little more depth and show the consequences of like actions and things like that. Whereas like a movie, you're like, we got two hours to get through this. I don't have time to show him like how he incapacitated every like, you know, henchman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but 
the beauty part, again, and there's, there's been a reason why I've been using this word trust, obviously, because coming, coming back, you know, at the very end, like I started to look at like, wait a minute, Matt's talking about trust. And then I started to look back through the, and it, and it, like it, it paid off essentially. Um, and again, one of those weird things, some people will poo poo it, but here goes Matt showing one more person who he is. Mm-hmm. No, and I, I thought it worked really well because I wasn't expecting it. Um, you know, I thought he was just like, hey, I'm here to hell. And I forgot that he showed Nadim who he was. But I think it kind of shows uh, – I think it was kind of maybe a, another extra uh, motivation to show him, you know, to to be on the right side here. Is that yeah. like, hey, look at – you've been after me on Kingpin's orders. You know, you were after both of us. Look at why he's been after me all this time. It's because yeah. I'm Daredevil. I, You know, I wasn't the one that fought you in the stairwell. That was Dex. And, uh, you know, it's kind of funny how they've really pulled off this – when, when he's got those, uh, I don't know what those things are in his hands, those ropes. I don't know if they're some kind of fighting you, ropes or something. But You know, I, I don't I know the, either. But again, yeah. that was one of those things. I don't love the black suit. I've gone yeah, on record. I'm the opposite. I'm looking at it going like, God, they, uh, I don't care for the red suit as much as I do this just ninja black suit. Yeah. Because I think part of it is that sometimes it can get a little boring when someone's armor gets a little too like impenetrable. Like yeah. that was probably my, my one complaint about the Black Panther movie was that it felt like he was in this thing that he could never get hurt at hurt in. And that if, if he did take too many punches, he could just slam his fist on the ground and then he, a big explosion would happen. That uh-huh. hurts else. Like I was like, Oh, that takes a little bit of the intrigue out of this guy. Like even if he's fighting somebody else in the exact same thing, it's like, well, can they even hurt each other? So I, that, that was, that's one thing I like about this is that he's like, Oh, he's, he's, just a guy he can get shot you know it doesn't just bounce off of him or anything like right. that like and so i kind of i kind of appreciate that aspect of it but you know i also feel like you know you got to have some sort of balance because you know you got to have something to protect yourself when you're running around in the well, shadows if i had <laughs> if i had the skyrocket in my wallet that <laughs> suit would have been mine for sure at <laughs> least i mean they didn't break it apart but like the gauntlets themselves were dope and like there's something about those ropes that just is really intimidating looking to me it's like because you you know whenever if you you know if you've ever been on a boat but like or just looking at going to a hardware store and looking at thick ass rope like i can't even imagine getting hit with something like that and like not so much even punched but like then you add something that's rough and just rugged like that ugh, just It makes, me, it makes me feel very not rough and rugged that I'm like, oh, the rug burn. <laughs> right. I mean, exactly. It's like, it's like, 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 forget the punch. You're going to get something. You're, you're going to be marred in some way, just straight away. Just forget about the impact of it, of, of it at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think that, that, but that's the thing that's funny is that I'm usually the one that's, that's complaining that things aren't comic book accurate enough, because I feel like if you, if, if Marvel's taught us anything, it's don't, don't run away from the source material, just adapt it in a way that makes sense to modern day. Yeah. Spandex and, looks great on paper. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, it's, yeah it, that's the one thing is that, you know, by the time the, the Avengers rolled around, they just had Tony Stark to make everything look cool. And so it was fine, but um, you know, 
it, heck, those the Hulk's stupid like jump outfit thing worked in Endgame. So if I if I'm seeing anything, it's a hey, look at put a put the Under Armour spin on it, but. You can use the colors, you can use the costumes, mm-hmm. and it's going to be fine. Like, I don't think anybody wants, uh, you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier to just be him and his Falcon outfit wearing with the, the the shield. Like, I think everybody's like, no, it's time to it's time to look like Captain America, put on the red, white, and blue. Like, I think that that's that's where people get in trouble is trying to trying to stray too much. I mean, yeah, you can't just have straight spandex, but you know, to heck, we that's what half the people wear to the gym now anyway. So it's right. not really that weird looking when you just add a little, you know, little texture to it to, to put some kind of like body armor or whatever. So I think that that's, that's one of the things that's, that's that you should be doing right now. But I, I, for some reason, I just love the ninja suit. I don't know why. Yeah. I think there's just a, something very simple about it that, that works really well. But now I'm also thinking, you know, I, I, I have thought about this a little bit, probably may, maybe slightly too much, but, <laughs> Will Falcon have his wings and the shield? And like, how does that even work on an aerodynamic level? Of course, I mean, maybe nothing really works with the Falcon anyway. I mean, he's just got wings and a jetpack. Um, but it's just like, where do you put that shield? Ooh, two theories. One, you throw it on your back like Cap does sometimes, and okay. it just protects the wings. Or maybe you throw it on your front and it's like your chest shield, but I don't know. Because, yeah, I mean, I, either way, I think that would look kind of awkward. I think the other way, it kind of almost looks like it's like a you could make it part of the wing costume type of thing. And, you know, maybe it's a thing where when he lands, he, he bends over and he shoots it off his back like it's like it's flinging it at somebody and then he catches it or something. Hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I, I trust Marvel to make it look cool. That's for sure. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that. Uh, and a lot of the rumors going around is that the the series is going to be based on how the government doesn't want him to be the next Captain America. They want to pick it or something like that. So it could be interesting. It might be one of those things where we don't see him in the outfit until, you know, the sixth episode of their little mini series or something because and you know, are, they're on the run or I don't know what we'll, we'll see. Are they going to have to give him Tony Stark super juice or Howard Stark super juice? Super juice. What am I? What's that? Well, I mean, the whole Captain America thing is based around that he was a science experiment. And oh, Sam, yeah, that he was an actual super soldier as opposed to just a guy in a in a costume, in a, in a you know a flight outfit. Type yeah, and Sam is a PJ, you know, in the way in which the MCU has portrayed him. Um, so I, I just you know, it's like at some point he's going to have to, I don't, you know, he's not Captain America by physicality. He's granted by yeah. shield. Yeah, that's interesting. Because uh, I I thought that they were setting up Bucky for it for a long time. But exactly. When Endgame, but when Endgame came around, I thought it, I thought it did make more sense because it's like, which again, I was like, why would they have a problem with him being the new Captain America? He's a war veteran. He works for, uh, you know, he did those uh, kind of veteran, uh, what do you call it? Not committees, but uh, it was like PTSD, yeah. uh, whatever thing, like kind of chats or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> The, the the support groups yeah support it's perfect group. i don't don't get yeah. me wrong i think he's great yeah so i mean i think he fits perfectly but and i i liked it i liked how they set that up where it's like you could tell bucky knew that he was that his friend was going back home and he says he's gonna miss him and then he points over and he like he knew that he's like you know you should be the new cats of america so i like it but yeah i i, I do think that there is a little 
you know, there is a little something to when you're just a normal human being that all of a sudden you don't have, you know, you don't have any powers. You're not a super soldier. You're not a spy. He's really just a, uh, you know, really, he's probably not even really that that much hand to hand combat except what he's done with the Avengers because he's always been a pilot. So, you know what, Sam, what we're going to do is we're going to put this back. The whole reason we're here is we got we got we got put pressure on from um, a Duncan. I'm yeah. going to put it back on A. Duncan to tell me what's going to happen with Falcon. Even this has nothing to do with Daredevil, and it may not even be in his wheelhouse, but he has to come up with a good explanation of what's going to happen. Yeah, but that's the other thing, too, is that it's not like they have a lot of good, active super, so- super soldier serums laying around. And the last time they tried it, they created the Abomination. Well, actually, it seemed to work with him, but... He just he mixed it up with that Hulk blood and uh, but they you know Marvel doesn't like to talk about that movie. I <laughs> know, uh, so sad. I actually don't. I still don't mind that one that much. No, I, I actually saw a theory the other day that they're like, oh, it's canon, and that some of the experiments that Bruce Banner did made him turn into uh, Mark Ruffalo looking or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, sure, fine. Or no, you know what it was is the, the deleted scene where he shoots himself and the Hulk spits the bullet out type of thing. Mm-hmm. They were saying that, that he messed up his face from that and that, and that when the Hulk healed it, it turned him into a, looking more like Mark Ruffalo than Edward Norton. <laughs> Interesting. I love fan, I love fan theories because it's like it doesn't have to be true, but it can just be in your head. Like I was one of those people that was like, "Oh yeah, that that was Peter Parker in Iron Man two before they eventually came out and said like, "Yep, it was." And I was like, "Oh, awesome, that's great." <laughs> it's funny. This goes all over to Red Letter Media. One of the Canadian FX artists that are on the on the show, he was post up on Twitter. He said, "Look, I'm really sorry. We were working a lot of hours, and Tim Roth's six pack looks ridiculous." You know, when he was when he had just gotten the uh, injections and uh-huh. getting ripped, it, he just looked like some sort of just ugh, monster chest. <laughs> I do seem to remember that being like weirdly slimy and like, yeah, and like, it, <laughs> I highly recommend red, that red letter media stuff. It's it, it, it keeps me going, especially on long commutes. Oh, we we better not start talking about commutes because nobody wants to hear about that. That's true. In <laughs> fact, we should probably go ahead and commute ourselves out of here um, and convene the next time. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm uh, I'm ready to finish up this season if you need me. So I've uh, I've you know ready to take my notes and I definitely have plenty of thoughts wondering about what you're going to think about some of the future stuff. Like, uh, you know, without giving any spoilers, you know, the, the, what we were talking about earlier and mm-hmm. how, what their final plan is going to be and, and how it kind of wraps up. And, you know, the fact that, you know, you will, uh, you know, I don't think this is too much of a spoiler, but you will see Vanessa again and you will get to learn a little bit more about her and their relationship before this is all over. So that will not be a disappointment, you know, but um, I, depending on how you, how you take it, <laughs> but, right. uh, you know, just, just that they won't, I, I, I feel like, I feel like this, uh, this wraps up this season pretty well. And that it, I think it works both as a season and series finale, even though it obviously will, you know, has sows plenty of seeds for it to, to keep going, even though they, they probably won't. You know, what would really suck is if by, by the time I get to episode 13, they pull it from Netflix and then I'm totally screwed. So, hey, well, Duncan, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Well, we'll have to set up a little more aggressive viewing schedule for you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, A. Duncan out there, there it is for you. 
this one's dedicated to you. And uh, I've heard. I will try my best. And that is a promise. Uh, let's say by the time we hit the end of September, we should be done. So there we go. Is that the goal to try and get it done before the year anniversary of the release date? I don't know, but maybe maybe I should just troll everybody and just what 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 day did it release? Uh that's a good question. I want to say it was September, but let's see. Some quick googling. Release date. October nineteenth. So oh, ah, we so we got plenty of time. Of time. <laughs> Just to torture everybody, because I yep. know I, it's funny when you when you follow these podcasts, it can be very addicting. And I remember that that's part of the reason that I ended up, you know, kind of co- contacting a lot of you guys was because like I would be sitting around waiting for like the Game of Thrones, especially when I was unemployed and would stay up till midnight on a Sunday. I, I would be waiting around for my Game of Thrones recap, and you're like, what, what, "You guys waited till Monday? You know, there's some of us that are waiting around for this." Can't go oh, I know, <laughs> I know. It, it's it's I, it's tough. No one understands yeah. that, like, like it, 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 like there's this balance of, of of things that have to happen, and so like you watch a late night show. All right, so I got to talk about it right afterwards, and like be burned out for the next day. Well, yeah, that's what we paid for. Did you? All right, so you know, but that you know, that's neither here nor there. But you know, there's complexities in this. Well, and plus, it's it. Sometimes it does help to sit and think about something. I, I think that's why I appreciate your slow burn because it actually lets you reflect on what happened on each episode. Like, you know, kind of talking before about uh, that's the one thing I don't love about you know as a consumer. It's nice to get all thirteen at once because then you can go through them and you know if there's a cliffhanger one, you can watch it right away. But at the same time, it kind of lets you makes you appreciate individual episodes less. Like, I feel like those traditional over the you know over the air kind of shows that you grew up watching whether it was the wire or game of thrones or mm-hmm. seinfeld or mm-hmm. what or even friends it's like you have favorite episodes where i feel like there's less of that with these netflix episodes where you or netflix shows where you have a favorite episode it's kind of more like you have a favorite season or a favorite moment or a favorite thing that happened like i couldn't tell you my favorite episode of stranger things like they no. all just kind of they all just blend together. Like, I'm just like, Lucas's sister's awesome. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, like in the case of Legion, I can bring up parts and things that, you know, I can think about, but as the, as, as an individual episode, that's absolutely a fool's errand. Yeah, like you were talking about maybe doing a Legion recap, and I think you're right that it's almost better just doing a recap and maybe going through and mentioning specific things throughout the season or plot points or or just visual. Then obviously the visuals are amazing in that show, but it's it is kind of hard to break down like individual episodes because it really does it does meld together. I mean, I, and I like that. I think that this is the future of TV that more people need to be like FX, where they're just like, oh, you want this episode to be an hour and thirteen minutes. That's okay. You know, uh, that's fine. You know, and I, and I think that that's, that's kind of the future that people like we're getting, I've heard Tim Goodman talk about this, that like calling it TV season anymore is kind of silly because it's whatever it's whenever you want to drop it. It's whenever, you know, you want to come out with it. I mean, there's plenty, there's more stuff released in the summer than any time when I was growing up. And there's so much new TV. And like, I mean, I see stuff going on. That's like, like seasons that are like 10 years ago. I'm like, why are we talking about this now? Like there, there it's, we, we are like, I mean, again, peak TV. It's like, there's so many things. It's like, but I don't want to get 
I, and this is personally, and, and those that have listened to me understand this, I don't want to get caught up in the hype machine and get stuck inside of a show that turns out to be absolute ass. Yeah, and I'm kind of strange because I, I grew up in a time where, you know, when I when I got home or not when I got home, but like when I went to school in the morning, we would line up and talk about what happened on last night's Simpsons. And then when we got a little older, it was we'd line up and talk about what happened on last night's Seinfeld. Uh-huh. And so now now that we don't have that, that's kind of why I love these recaps and podcasts is because you never know when somebody else is going to be watching that show. Like there's been plenty of times where I have bugged somebody relentlessly to watch a show and then they finally do. And they go, oh, man, what about when uh, this happened? And I go, oh, yeah. And I go like and I'm afraid to say anything because it's like I don't know if they've gotten I don't remember what order maybe it yep. happened in or. Yeah. Whatever. So it's like there's that kind of disconnect of of pop culture at this point where I think that's why people really kind of glom onto these podcasts is because maybe like if they're like me, I've got a lot of friends that like sports. They don't like comic book stuff. So it's like I want to talk to them about this stuff and they won't even see it. So it's like I think that these are these are great outlets for that kind of thing because we kind of have to extend our communities these days to the online realm and, and to where, you, you know, that's kind of how you and I got to meet each other was that I started listening and, you know, that we started chatting on Twitter. And yep. now look at now look at we've got. I, my second appearance on the on the incomparable network and I'm, I'm feeling great. There you are. <laughs> Dreams can so, happen, but it's yeah. not it's not built, you know, it's not built instantaneously. And and one of the things like on a personal level, I don't I don't ever like to um if a show is good, I'll talk about it. If it's not good, I'm not going to pretend that it's good just for the sake of listeners like that a lot of listeners seem to like it. If I don't like it, I, it's it you know, it's like with anything, if I don't have a passion in it, then what's the point? Yeah, it's not I like mean, I'm uh, making money off this. You know, that, that's, that's, the, that's the realistic nature of it. It's like, I have to be interested in it. Yeah, I mean, I, this, this, is, this is purely, like, fun for me. I, I don't think that... Yeah, I exactly, don't think very, and that's the point. So much TV, there's so much TV out there right now that it's like, I don't have time to watch... Like, I don't understand how people watch reality TV, to be honest with you, very much. I mean, I watch a little bit of, like, MasterChef, but that's about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And because, uh, to me, there's so much good stuff out there. Why would I waste my time on this, this fake, manufactured, actually also written drama like well, i love that people act like it's all actually real and there's right. no producers telling them what to say but uh you know when i i, I literally had finally done the, the jason snow method i went through and wrote down every tv show that i like and what network they're on or what streaming service they're on and made a uh, excel spreadsheet so that i could keep track of what's because i mean i've never seen uh a ton of great shows out there i, I just you know i've there's there's uh, stuff on Amazon. There's stuff on Netflix. Like I've never seen Ozark. I've never seen, you know, The Handmaid's Tale. I've never, you know, so it's like there's all these shows out there that are either very critically acclaimed or talked about that it's just like it's almost daunting with so much stuff out there. So it's like, but meanwhile, like The Boys comes out. I binge that in like a weekend and then have already started rewatching it to kind of pick up the nuances of the stuff I missed because I binged it like crazy. So, um, you know, I, I kind of feel like we're in this peak TV thing. I, I used to be the type of person that was like oh you know rescue me is a really good show okay i'm gonna watch that so i know what's going on but now there's so much good content out there that you almost just have to pick stuff that you're interested in and give it a chance when you want to naturally give it a chance you can't force it anymore it's gonna you know that if you like shows about superheroes well guess what business is booming yep. if you like you know if you like shows about you know drama you know 
boardroom stuff, there's succession, there's billions, there's, you know, it's like you name a name of thing besides Cowboys and there's probably eight shows about it. And even that, isn't there a Kevin Costner show about like Cowboys called like Montana or something like that? Jeez. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of, it, it, times of confusion as they've deemed it over at the TV talk machine. But I, I think that, uh, it kind of is, it's kind of great in that, you know, there's something out there for everybody, but it, it also make it also kind of like narrows your communities to where it's like, oh, you know, my mom watches the Hallmark Channel, I watch FX type of thing. So uh, since there's something out there for everybody, you almost have there's not that like universe. You know, I feel like Game of Thrones might have been the last universal show that everybody got into and was like there for the finale and talking about the next day. Like I don't know. I don't know that that's going to come around again. I feel like Stranger Things was close, but again, it's one of those things where people binge it on their own schedule and it's, you know, kind of when are you going to talk to your friend about it type of situation. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Mm-hmm. And with that, this closes episode 11, the reunion of sorts. And we will talk at you again very soon. Thank you, Sam Adams, for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. And uh, sorry to say you only have two episodes of Daredevil left in your library. That's all right. I can stretch those mothers out like no one can. (laughs) If you can do it, if you can't do it, no one can. That's right. That's my superpower. Procrastination. Oh, I didn't know that could be a superpower. Oh, definitely. I I might have a couple. (laughs) There you go. We all have superpowers. Good night, folks.